Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. And we are still in the book of Ephesians. And uh, last time we were together, we got down through verse number six. So we have in verses one and two, Paul's greeting. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace be to you and peace from our God and Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse number three, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That's where we ended up last time. So today what I want to do is we're going to pick up in verse number seven. And in our study today, we're going to find Paul telling the Ephesian believers that they have been redeemed through the blood of Christ, excuse me, because of the richness of God's grace, and that his ministry since his salvation was to make all men see the revelation of the mystery that was revealed to him. And I find that interesting because I talked to a brother of mine about this quite a bit. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And Paul's mission in life was to make all men see the revelation of the mystery that was revealed to him. Would it make sense that our calling would be as we follow Paul? as he follows Christ, to also make all men see the revelation of the mystery that was revealed to him? And again, we're going to talk about this a little bit today, but you know, what is the revelation of the mystery? It was something that was revealed to Paul, and it was only revealed to Paul. No one else received it. Only Paul received it. It was hidden in ages past, so it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. It wasn't revealed to the Old Testament prophets. It wasn't revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or to the apostles. It was only revealed to Paul. And his mission in life was to make all men see what the revelation of that mystery was that was revealed uniquely to him. And I find that that is what you and I need to be doing today. And I think that has been lost. Um, That has been lost. So let's look in verse number seven, and we'll get to that as we get down into our study. Notice in verse number seven, Um, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Let's unpack that. In whom, whom is Christ, in whom, because he said in verse number six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom, the in whom is Jesus Christ okay, in whom we have redemption. How? Through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins, and it's according to the riches of his grace. So in Christ, we have redemption. How? Through his blood. The redemption that we have in Christ results in the forgiveness of sin, and it is all by grace. The concept of redemption was not new to the New Testament writers. Job spoke of redemption in Job chapter 9, 
or 19, verse number 25, when he said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So Job knew what a Redeemer was. Job knew that he needed a Redeemer. By definition, redemption means to lose control of something or to buy it back, or to lose control of something and to buy it back. Example, the garden, man forfeited over everything to the devil, and at Calvary, the Lord bought it back. In Isaiah 59, 20, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. So the Redeemer was going to come to Zion. And then in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, And then also in verse number 25, he said, In whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So, redemption. Something was lost and it was bought back. That is the definition of redemption. And we were not redeemed from the law. And I say that because we were never under the law. The law was not given to the Gentile. It was given to the Jew. Now, we're redeemed from the consequences of all of that, but we were never under the law. Instead, we are redeemed from the fall. We're redeemed from the fall, not the law. In Hebrews 9, verses 12 through 14, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if by the blood of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And down in verse number 22, he goes on, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, what? There is no remission. So, so we were not redeemed from the law. We were redeemed from the fall. In 1 Peter 1.18 and 19, It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So again, I would contend that we're not being redeemed from the law. We're being redeemed from the fall. Um, Vice the nation of Israel, yes, they 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 are being redeemed from the law. And again, you have to separate out Israel and the body of Christ. If you don't, you're going to do what most do in the church today. You're going to say that the church is Israel, physically or spiritually. Most will say the church is spiritual Israel. Therefore, the law was given to us. Uh, All of the promises for Israel are for us. Uh, Well, let me ask you this. If all the promises that were given to Israel for us, how about all the curses? How about all the bad things? How about all the consequences? Um, again, we are not Israel. There must be a distinction kept as you're 
working through Scripture between the nation and the body of Christ. They're two different things, and I've contended that from, you know, for the past, or at least I've harped on that more so than ever, probably the past three years of my ministry. So he says there in verse number seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, and it's according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath obtained toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Grace made it possible, and he did it in all wisdom and prudence. Now, I would point out he's not saying that he gave us some kind of spiritual insight, as some would suggest. He is saying that he, Christ, did all this in all wisdom and prudence. He did it for us by his wisdom and his prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. So, having made known unto us, that's you and me, the body of Christ, the mystery of his will. What is the mystery of his will? I believe that ultimately he's referring to the Pauline mystery because it has now been made known. It Previously, it was a mystery. No one knew what God was doing in regards to the postponement that Israel was going to reject their Messiah. And again, Israel rejecting his Messiah was prophesied. It had to happen. Um, where most dispensationalists run off the rails is they don't see the significance of Pentecost. Pentecost, and I've become more convinced of this ever than ever before, Pentecost was not for, the, the church was not born, in my opinion, in Acts chapter number two. I would not describe myself anymore as, as an Acts tour. The church was not born in Acts chapter number two, and nowhere in that scripture can you see that the church was born in Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two was a Jewish thing. It was not a Gentile thing. It was the offering of the kingdom. Jesus, John the Baptist, the apostles went about, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, proclaiming, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom is nigh. Well, Peter stands up, you remember Jesus told him, I'll give you the keys. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. Peter stands up and uses those, those keys in Acts chapter number two and says, here it is. What shall we do? They said, you need to repent and be baptized. For what? To receive the kingdom. It was the offer. It was the official offer of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And again, the kingdom was not offered to you and me. The kingdom was offered to the nation. The kingdom is all about the nation. It's future, and it is fraternal. It is for the nation of Israel. You and I aren't looking for a kingdom, okay? We are looking for the, return, for the rapture. We're looking for his return. We're not promised anything about ruling and reigning with Christ upon this earth. That's all promises made to the nation of Israel, not to the body of Christ. All of our promises are heavenly. We are seated with him in the heavenlies. And what exactly we do with him, the Bible doesn't clearly say. The Bible concerns mostly about what is going to happen to Israel. 
when they are eventually restored and they rule and reign upon this earth with Christ in his millennial reign. And then after Revelation 22, it goes into eternity, into the unknown future. So what is the mystery of his will here? Let's get back. I believe he's referring to the Pauline mystery because it has now been made known. I believe that he is referring back to verses 4 and 5 when he said that we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world, and we have been predestined for adoption. I mean, it's almost verbatim. This is the mystery that was revealed to Paul. In Romans 16, 25, Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. Why does Paul keep saying my gospel? How about our gospel? Because it wasn't our gospel. It was not the same gospel that the twelve were preaching. The twelve were preaching a kingdom gospel regarding repentance and baptism and a coming kingdom that was for the nation if they would repent and get baptized. But they didn't. So God calls out Paul in Acts chapter number 9 and says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And he revealed unto him a mystery the revelation of the mystery. It was revealed to him. The twelve and Jesus did not preach this gospel, period. And I've been in the ministry a long time, but it has taken me a long time to figure this out. Um, Again, that the two were not preaching the same gospel. There's a kingdom gospel and there's a grace gospel. The twelve were preaching a kingdom gospel. Paul preached a grace gospel. And today, if you're preaching the correct gospel, you're preaching a grace gospel. But again, you don't hear that today. You hear, you need to repent, you need to get baptized, you need to join the church, you need to do this, you need to do that. You don't need to do anything but believe. Paul never said you needed to repent and get baptized. He said, you need to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, period, full stop. Um, so the 12, Jesus did not preach this gospel. In Ephesians 3, 8, and 9, Paul said that, look, Ephesians 3, 8, 8, 9, unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, okay, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Anything before Paul did not have the mystery in it. Anything before Paul did not have the mystery in it. The mystery, now there's confusion today, I believe. You know, a lot of people will say, yeah, the mystery was that the Gentiles were now going to be a part of the church. The Gentiles were going to be included um, it, it went from a Jewish thing to a, to a Gentile thing, a Gentile thing, a Jew and Gentile thing. And, and that is true on its face. Yes, uh, the Gentiles were going to be included, but there was more than that. It was, number one, the grace gospel offered salvation apart from the law. Because understand, the kingdom gospel, repent and be baptized, do the first works, all that stuff still required them to keep the law. I mean, if you look through, if you look at the book of Acts, 
you'll see that they were still going to the temple. They were still keeping the law. They were still making sacrifice. Nothing changed. They were still very much under the law. The grace gospel that was revealed to Paul was a salvation apart from the law. Uh, in Romans 16, 25, Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation which was kept secret since the world began. No law there. It was just the power to establish you according to my gospel. And what was that gospel? Salvation had come to the Gentiles apart from the law. And today, no one is under the law. The Jews... The Jewish people, the nation of Israel, are if they're going to get saved during this dispensation of grace, they're going to have to get saved through the grace gospel because the kingdom gospel is no longer being offered. That offer was withdrawn, and you and I now are living in the time of the postponement. We are not living in the the offering of the kingdom anymore. You see, I'm going to show you this right here. See, this right here is what would have, could have, should have happened. Christ should have come. Peter would have stood up. Um, you can see right there beside the cross, you see Christ's ascension, and then you see Peter. And what did Peter do? Peter offered them the kingdom. Stephen continued to preach the kingdom. And what to, if they had accepted the preaching of Peter and Stephen, what would have happened? They would have went into Daniel's 70th week, which would have culminated with the, the appearance of the Antichrist, the second coming of their long-awaited Messiah, and the establishment of the kingdom. And then God would have used them to reach the Gentile nations. That is what should have happened. I remember one time I was sitting at a pastor's conference up north, and I asked the guys in the room, all of which were were ministers. I said, what would have happened if they had? And I, and I asked the question wrong because I just, I was still grappling with it at the time. I said, what would have happened if they hadn't killed Jesus? That's how I ask it. And, you know, just blank stares. Well, I mean, if they hadn't killed him, um, no answers. I mean, it was quiet, but see, I was just going through this in my mind. They had to kill Jesus because Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 15 says, notice with me, I'll show you real quick. Let's get back over here. Um, Hebrews 9, verse number 15, and I'm, I'm totally off script now. But Hebrews 9, 15 says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by the means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also necessity be the death of the testator. So in other words, when you stand up and read somebody's last will and testament, that means they're dead. Okay? Because he goes on and he says in verse 17, for a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So Jesus had to die in order to offer them the new covenant, the new covenant. And of course, he had to die for, the, for him to make that offer to them. And that offer was made in 
Acts chapter number 2. And it was rejected by the nation of Israel. And, and again, we're not under covenants. Um, the covenants were not made with Gentiles. Covenants are made with the nation of Israel and only the nation of Israel. So <clears throat> Christ had to die. But what if when Peter and Stephen preached on Pentecost or their roundabouts, and the na- what if, you know, if the, if the nation had accepted it, then sure. I mean, they would have rolled into Daniel's 70th week. The clock would, uh, would not have stopped ticking if you read Daniel chapter number 9. And they would have went into Daniel's 70th week, the Antichrist. It would have culminated with the second coming, the establishment of the millennial reign of Christ on earth. But they didn't. So this is what happened. <laughs> they, they rejected it, and Israel began to diminish. God raised up the apostle Paul, and you and I are now living in what I call the age of the postponement that was not seen by any of those guys on the left. It wasn't seen by any of the Old Testament prophets. None of them saw it. Nobody saw it. It was hid in Christ. It was revealed to Paul. So right now we are living in this time of grace, if you will. I I think God has always offered grace. I mean, even in the Old Testament, he offered grace. He offered grace to Adam and Eve. I mean, he could have killed them, but instead he put them outside the garden and let them live. Um, He's always offered grace, but now we are living in a specific time of grace where God, instead of bringing judgment on the nation of Israel, just allowed them to to diminish and and postpone that. And you and I are living in this postponement, if you will, which will conclude with the rapture of the church. And then notice, it'll pick right back up with with Daniel's 70th week, the seven-year tribulation, Antichrist, second coming, millennial reign. So this is what should have happened. This is what instead happened. So again, you know, the grace gospel offered salvation apart from the law. It also offered redemption through his blood by his sacrifice, not from the law, but sin. So again, we are not being redeemed from the law, but we're being redeemed from sin. Justification number three, as a result of our faith in that completed work. Our justification is based upon our belief by faith in that completed work of Christ on Calvary. And our baptism now is not a water baptism. It is a spirit baptism into the body of Christ. When you believe you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, if push gun to shove, theologically, at least as far as I'm concerned, baptism has nothing to do with the body of Christ. Baptism was for the nation of Israel. They were being baptized as kings and priests to go out and accomplish everything that Isaiah, Ezekiel, and all those guys said that they would do once the, the kingdom was, re- was established. And then the fifth thing is the postponement as a result of the setting aside of the nation. That was something that no one saw. Paul was the one that that was revealed to, that the nation of Israel was going to be set aside for an undeterminate period while Christ now focuses attention on the Gentiles. And you and I are living in that time of the Gentiles now. 
where the only way of salvation is by grace through faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not in the works of the law. It's simply by faith. And we are baptized into the body of Christ at the moment of conversion, and it is a spirit baptism, not a water baptism. And again, when people start saying, well, you got to be baptized, they're not rightly dividing the difference between the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel. And that postponement that resulted, that setting aside of the nation, and then also the sixth thing is the rapture of the body of Christ. No one foretold that. No one foresaw that. Only Paul preached the rapture of the church. And yet, you know, so many people in the church today reject Paul. I I told you I had a lady come into my business one day, and, you know, I found out she was a, a lady pastor. You know, which if you've listened to me for any length of time, I don't, I think, uh, you know, God doesn't call uh, females to be uh, pastors in that respect. She pastored a local congregation. Um, Paul makes that very clear. But then I looked on her website and I noticed she said, I prefer Jesus to Paul. Why would she say that? You would be shocked at how many in the church today believe that. And will say that because they don't like the writings of Paul. Because Paul talks about all them societal ills that nobody wants to deal with today. You know, Paul was very blunt when it comes to the issue of homosexuality, sexual sins. Paul was very open about whether, you know, God called men to be leaders in the church, not women. And he explains why because Eve was deceived, the man wasn't deceived. The woman is especially. Uh, prone to spiritual deception. He uses that as a justification for her not being called into that. So you show me a church that has installed a, a lady pastor. I'll show you a church that's deviated from the clear teaching of Scripture, and I encourage you to stay away from it. You know, and you disagree with me all you want, okay? But Paul is the one that dealt with that. So, you, you know, you got this animosity toward Paul because he, because he dealt with these issues. How many times have you heard, you know, Paul got ahead, got, Paul was a male chauvinist. Paul didn't like women. No, Paul loved women. The, the Christian church has done more for the liberation of women than any other religion in the world. I mean, look at our Western society and with women. And, and I'll be honest, I, I know we're not perfect, but I've about had it up to here. You know, with, you know, women need more of this and women aren't equal and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't see that, not in our country, at least. Uh, so anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down that path. Uh, but uh, the rapture of the body of Christ. So all of that, you see, the Scripture saw the second coming, but it could not have seen the rapture because it did not see the postponement. In Colossians 1, 23 through 26, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and filled up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation. 
of the grace of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill his word. Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Isn't that exactly what of what he's saying there in verse number nine, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. So, Paul is saying that that ministry was given to me. And sadly, most in the organized church today do not believe in the rapture, and far too many reject the writings of Paul especially if you get on the left and you start listening to them. Uh, They reject the writings of Paul. So anyway, I hope I didn't get you dander up too far, Uh, but uh, that concludes session number three there. Uh, God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for our good.